At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. The numbers told the story they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Good Wednesday morning, too. It is a numbers game at VSIN, the sports betting network, VSIN.com, the VSIN app, Fubo, Link, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, YouTube TV. It's Gil Alexander. Jeff Parlay is here as well. Jeff, nothing like a morning sprint back and forth to the car. Drop of the earpiece. A little out of breath. Going to get through. Michael Lombardi on the show today. Jason Weingarten from under a cloud of smoke in Southern California. We'll talk uh, sports betting with him. Sports betting porn, as Will Hill dubbed it. Golf with Brady Cannon. We're at Torrey Pines this weekend. Jim Root to discuss college basketball with us. UCLA getting it done against Arizona yesterday. Auburn squeaking by. A couple big teams in action. Wes Reynolds to talk college hoops with us, but also football and golf as well. And a whole bunch of other stuff, including... Just what happened in the NBA last night, Jeff? You see this: the Clippers up on uh, the Clippers down thirty-five points to the Washington Wizards yesterday, late in the second quarter, sixty-six to thirty-one. Sixty-six to thirty-one, the second biggest comeback in the history of the National Basketball Association play-by-play era. Thirty-six, apparently done in nineteen ninety-six when the Jazz came back on the Nuggets. Who could forget that day? But 35 points last night, and sort of the question this morning I had was, what was the betting line? There couldn't have been a betting line at that point. There's no money line when you're down 35 points. And then it came down to the Clippers being down seven points with 20 seconds left in this game. And they hit a jumper, and then Kyle Kuzma hit, a, uh, hit one free throw out of two. But down seven points with 20 seconds left in the game. And again, when you say, well, what's the money line? No one's posting a money line at that point. In the history of the NBA, down seven points with 20 seconds left, and we're watching this all on primetime action, Matt Brown, Kelly Bidlin, and I, uh, but we have the tweet about it from ESPN, stats and information. But the but down seven points, 20 seconds, entering Tuesday, teams were 1-16,239 over the last 20 seasons, pardon me, when trailing by seven-plus points with under 20 seconds remaining in regulation. Apparently on January 2nd, 2014, the Cavs did this against the Magic, but won in overtime. So they were down seven with 20 seconds left. They were down six with 10 seconds left. Now, I don't know what the, what the record all time is on that. And maybe that's not as unbelievable as a record as being down seven with 20, because seven ought to be three possessions. But Luke Kennard hits a 32-footer with nine seconds left to cut the lead to three. So there's eight seconds left 
The Clippers are down three. Remember, they led the Wizards led by 35. Five second violation. And then Jeff, here's where it gets into the point where we're always we're team foul when you're up three on this show. However, the Wizards did it in a manner where it was like they were chasing Kennard. So Luke Kennard gets the ball again, and Bradley Beal, and I can't remember who the second wizard was, didn't get the license plate on him, chasing Luke Kennard, and they foul, I guess, a split second too late. Could have been called on the floor, but it wasn't. Kennard hits the three, hits the free throw. Wizards throw it errantly with 1.8 seconds left, frantically down court. Unbelievable. Do you see this, Jeff? You see the end of this ball game? I did. I couldn't believe what I was watching. <laughs> who, was, who was that on the call? Was that Noah Eagle? No, no, Noah Eagle does the radio for the Clippers. Because whoever it was was let out a hot damn. That was his. That was his call on the whole thing. That was his exclamation. That's unbelievable. Never seen anything like that. And that's so. That's a thirty-five point lead squander to get the second biggest margin ever squandered in an NBA game. But when you get to some of the other outcomes last night, and we've said this, so I don't say this on a numbers game very often, but when we're doing primetime action at night and we're watching these games, every night seemingly there's a blowout of epic proportions. Last night, the Celtics beat the Kings by 58 points. 58. The, there were other outcomes. The Spurs beat the Rockets by 30. The Warriors ended up beating the Red Hot Mavericks by pardon me, 38. Mavericks had won 11 of 13 going into this game. So this is one of these things with the NBA, too. We talk, So this is the, the biggest sort of takeaway we could take from the NFL, I think, this year as we sort of macro project into next year is sort of what we see on the NBA every night, which in the NBA, there are just massive blowouts. It's like teams take games off all the time. Sometimes for real, sometimes they're trying and they just don't play well. But it's just there's a whole bunch of load management that isn't exactly mechanical load management of teams sitting players teams just take nights off the NFL. I'll stress it again. That's the biggest thing I think we have to figure out going into next year. I don't know how we handicap around it quite frankly, because I don't know when those, when those games happen, but something from going to 16 games to 17 games, in the NFL season has triggered something in some of these teams where it's like, you can't go full throttle every game. The bills losing to the Jaguars, the bills, not even running Josh Allen virtually at all in that first game against the Patriots. We had Las Vegas Chris on with Adam Chernoff on the Megapod last week. He even throws out that he thinks over the course of a 17-game season, 18 weeks, and now eventually it will get to 18 games, that you will see teams play a backup quarterback for two or three games a season. You think that's going to happen, Jeff? No. Our brains now can't even process it, right? I don't think it's outlandish at all. The the only thing that I will say, though, is, is, and we we mentioned it during the season, so we were ahead of the curve on this, Gil. Yes. Those one-off weirdo results for really good team getting beat by horrendous team. Now, I don't think we're going to see 9-6 every year where where a team that legitimately could not be stopped by the end of a game in a playoff game, scored six points, and a team that couldn't get stops the week, the few weeks before. But we're going to see a lot more big underdogs winning outright in the NFL over the next few years than we normally do, Gil. And I make, think that's the biggest takeaway. And it'll make Survivor that much more difficult. That's mm-hmm. that's what I'm referring to. You're basically saying what I'm saying, which is you're just, it's just going to be impossible to play at full throttle every 
every game as, as seasons increase with regular season games in the NFL. Seems to happen in the NBA every night, though. Big one last night with uh, multiple games, 30 points, and a 158-point win by the Celtics uh, over the Kings. The other thing is, uh, segueing to tennis picks, we had another tennis pick that lost yesterday. So I just want to point this out about the tennis picks, too. So we won over 40 units during the hardcore season at the end of last year. We can't buy a win here in the Australian Open. Now we've won. We've won our, a, few, you know, a few batches early. But, and it's not all bad. We still have Medvedev going. By the way, Medvedev beating Ogier Ali Asim in a five-setter overnight. He was down two sets. Got him at plus 209 down two sets. Can you imagine being down two sets in a slam quarter and only getting plus 209? But went ahead and bet that, so that got home because Medvedev's ridiculous. And we, so we have Medvedev. We had Medvedev Zverev on the men's side to win it all. Zverev's gone. Medvedev was protect, protection for Zverev. On the ladies' side, have Barty and Sviatek. Barty protection. If Sviatek goes down, Sviatek comes back in a three-setter to beat Kaya Kanepi yesterday. So it's not all bad. We have those. Plus hit Sviatek on the quarter at plus 250. She won that. So there's good. But we cannot buy a match. And we have been, again, in five different matches, 50 cents ahead of the close, 40 cents, 40 cents, 30 cents, 30 cents. Hasn't mattered. Match with Drew once, hasn't mattered. Match with Dan three times, hasn't mattered. The point of all this is to say, if you're just showing up now, sorry about that, if you've been with us for a while, which most of us have, then, then it's easy to sort of get when you have moments of negative variance like this. But that's, that's a sort of sports betting lesson too, which is no matter how good you are at something, whether your sport is basketball, football, golf, whatever it is, you are going to have a run where nothing seems to go your way. It is the certainty of betting. And your ability to overcome negative variance is going to be a, a perfect reflection of how successful you are at this long term. It is never easy, never easy to go through. By the way, no tennis picks today. Semifinals on the ladies' side coming up. Let's go, Ega. And then the third thing from yesterday, so basketball and tennis, the third thing is what we already predicted would happen yesterday. No genius prediction, but Barry Bonds being shut out of the Hall of Fame. And we don't want to belabor it anymore because we went through it yesterday, but I posted on Twitter at Beating the Book, posted on how I either tweet or do a video on this each and every year at this time. And so this, was, this one was a tweet from 2017. So this is five years ago. This is halfway through Bonds' period of eligibility for the Hall of Fame. I said, I tweet some version of this every year, but if Barry Bonds, a Hall of Famer, before he ever took a, P, uh, a performance-enhancing drug, isn't inducted into the Hall of Fame, there shouldn't be a Hall of Fame. Regarding the Hall of Fame, it's not up to us to make moral judgments for future generations. I'll now let the hate wash over me. This is sort of like the mortar kick and the, and the grabbing on to the wide receivers thing that we've been talking about for years on the show. And then this weekend with the Bills and the Chiefs, everybody seems to be on board with it now. Oh, yeah, you're supposed to mortar kick there. Oh, yeah, maybe you should grab, one person should grab a, a wide receiver on that final drive. And now everybody seems to be on board with this. So back then when I used to say this about Barry Bonds, I would get at least half the people would respond and be like, oh, how could you say that? He's a cheater. He's the worst person on earth. Now, Jeff, maybe two people out of 100 object to the stance. And it's interesting to see how thought evolves on all of this stuff. And the only two people who ejected were like 
older sports writers at local newspapers who still seem to adopt this old viewpoint of somehow Barry Bonds was the worst of the worst of the worst. Really? David Ortiz yesterday, who got dinged for PEDs, just sails into the Hall of Fame because he's likable. It's the most ridiculous thing in the world. I'll just say it one last time. We'll run yesterday's clip, not today's, on social. We are custodians. We are caretakers of a museum for future generations. If you want to put these guys in and put a plaque and tell future generations why there was scandal, go ahead and do that. But for you to think you have the the authority to keep certain guys out and put certain guys in, who the hell do you think you are as baseball writers? What another stain on this sport. Baseball has enough problems for the writers to get involved in it as well. Just a travesty. We'll come back. Wes Reynolds, golf, football, college basketball. Next, Numbers Game Visa, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. A numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network. Football playoff season is here, and it's time to download BetMGM Sports. It is Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM, with all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522-4700. It's Gil Alexander, ladies and gentlemen. He's the glue that holds it all together. And he's the co-host of Long Shots, specifically for our purposes today, among other purposes, that he does with Brady Cannon, Matt Humans as well. The greatest golf betting show there ever was. It's Wes Reynolds. How you doing, Wes? Good morning, Gil. How are you? I'm good. Before we get to golf, let's talk a little bit about a couple outcomes of college basketball last night and hear what you're thinking about tonight. UCLA all over Arizona. Did you see that coming? Uh, I thought that they were going to hang in there. I didn't think that this was going to be a blowout. I'm not surprised UCLA won the game. It's kind of like as ridiculous as it sounds because Arizona is such a blue blood program that they're kind of the Johnny come lately. And UCLA has kind of been the Johnny been here being that they made that run to the final four last year. I saw Arizona in person at the T-Mobile arena back in November when they played Michigan. And that's what kind of opened my eyes when they beat Michigan by 20 points. I was like, okay, maybe Arizona's back with this first-year head coach, Tommy Lloyd, who came from Mark Few's staff at Gonzaga. But Arizona, if you watch that game late night last night, they couldn't make a layup to save their life. 
and UCLA absolutely took advantage of that. And I just think you have a team that has a little bit more experience in winning these type of games, and I think it showed last night at Pauly. Why is that game starting at 8, by the way? Like, the, the East Coast gets it at 11 p.m. They couldn't start that a half hour, an hour earlier? Yeah, it was it was a TV thing because they had the triple header, and then it got on the air late unless you flipped it over to ESPN News because Kentucky and Mississippi State went into overtime, so that went over into the game. So we got a, a delayed Dave Passion, Bill Walton on the broadcast last night, but <laughs> yeah. Bill Walton, of course, in, in rare form, uh, he refers to the transfer portal as the Tinder portal, Gil. <laughs> That's great. The best is uh, when uh, Pash once said, uh, it was talking about, was it uh, Swaggy P? <laughs> he was saying, yeah, his, uh, his nickname is Swaggy P. There was a pregnant pause, and uh, Bill Walton goes, I would not have expected that. <laughs> Swaggy P for Bill Walton. Uh, what, about, uh, what about Auburn last night? Double-digit favorites against the uh, Mizzou fighting parlays and fighting roots uh, and fighting Wilsons. They only win by a point. What do you make of Auburn, the number one team in the country after that performance? Yeah, I gave that out on the air yesterday. I took Mizzou. I just thought you you could kind of see it coming a little bit, Gil. If you watch that game on Saturday where Auburn came back and eventually put away Kentucky and those guys were jumping on the scores table. Jerseys were being stripped off. They were posing like they were in the Mr. Olympia bodybuilding contest. I mean, it was like literally a pose-down routine for these guys. And Auburn knew that they were going to be number one in the country. By the way, this is the first time the Auburn Tigers ever been number one in the AP poll in college basketball. And you could just kind of sense it. They were going to Mizzou, and as uh, Parlay knows, the Mizzou team, not that great this year, but they can be spry and they can be competitive in certain spots. And you saw it twice with Alabama. They actually were up on them big on Saturday and then eventually got away from them in the final few minutes. But this is a Mizzou team that's put together at least a few solid efforts. Now, they probably should have won the game last night outright. They had the pace that they wanted. When you're at the under seven time, minute timeout and it's 41 to 40 Missouri over Auburn. But, you know, Conzo Martin at the end elected to let it play out. It's, you you know, in the NBA, you let it play out. You don't foul too early because, you know, if you get that rebound, you're going to get the ball back. But Auburn's got a seven-footer down there in Walker Kessler, the Carolina transfer. And they also have Jabari Smith, who had a horrible game last night, two of seven. I think he was like two of 15 shooting. And he's going to be a lottery pick, probably a top five pick in the draft. Mizzou had everything they want but they found a way to lose the game in the end. So I'm sad for Parlay and Wilson today. Yeah. Bruce Pearl, though, leaflet. That's all that really matters in that one. Uh, I haven't had a chance to talk to you about this, but one final college basketball question before we get to your picks, which is what's the what's the sneaky, freaky team sticking in from the rear this year? Like what's a, what's a you know, I don't know about a long shot, but what's a sort of middle range shot that you might take a flyer on to win it all this year? Or is there one? Yeah. Yeah, because I think that there's a lot of teams. I mean, usually we get to the point where it's like, okay, there's maybe only about eight teams that can win this thing or whatnot. But one team that I don't know if they're a sneaky team, but I think they're starting to play better basketball and maybe figuring it out. And you look at their record, they're only nine and seven, but their power rating is high. 
keep an eye on Michigan here. I think Michigan is going to start to put it together, and they're going to start to rip off wins. I was very impressed with what I saw Sunday at Indiana. There we go. There's a Michigan answer. We haven't had Michigan as an answer to that question yet. Michigan right now to win it all. Where are you seeing them? They're beyond 40 to 1. They're not on the board here at BetMGM, so they're somewhere beyond that. Um, Not exactly sure, Jeff, where you see that right now, but Michigan, nice juicy number right now. Uh, And what do you like tonight in college hoops? Yeah, Gil, and you'll appreciate this as a 90s R&B expert and raconteur, which I would consider you to be. Thank you, sir. This is the old uh, CNC Music Factory, things that make you go, hmm, play. <laughs> you remember that was a yeah, hit I do. in the early 90s. And an early game on the card tonight, it is Providence against Xavier. And you've got a Providence team that's number 17 in the country. They've won three in a row. By the way, they're leading the Big East right now. They're 16-2 and two overall. Ed Cooley just passed Dave Gabbett for second all-time wins at Providence. And yet they're getting eight, eight and a half against the Xavier team that hasn't covered in four games. So things that make you go, hmm, hmm. like Arsenio Hall used to do that bit on his show, his late night show. So I'd be laying the eight with Xavier. Yeah, he took that from CNC. You remember who the uh, female lead singer was, really, behind the scenes for CNC? I- I believe it was Zelma Davis and Freedom Williams was the rapper. It was uh, Cole and Fabillus were the uh, factory, were the producers of that band. Wow. Was Zelma Black Box or I thought Martha Wash was CNC? I don't know. You might be right. Interesting. I think it might have been Martha Wash because remember in the in the Gonna Make You Sweat video, they put Zelma Davis in the video right. who later was on those records. That's exactly right. Wes Reynolds knows everything about everything. All right. Uh, we'll uh, crescendo to golf if I can keep you after the break. But let's talk about the uh, championship games this weekend have you made plays on either or are you looking for a certain number to make a play yeah i'm looking for seven in the hook i think to be a little more widely available to go ahead and take the cincinnati Bengals. uh i know everybody kind of said that is the championship game or the de facto championship game in the afc with kansas city and buffalo it very may well turn out to be but If I get the hook, I'm going to take the Bengals. The one concern is this is a team, I think their first quarter DBOA was like 29th in the league. So you're worried, is this team going to get overwhelmed by a bad start? But look, I think the Bengals are very spry. What I think Zach Taylor needs to do is he needs to actually throw more on first down. I mean, I don't want to sound like – numbers game guess Warren Sharp here, but he always preaches that, hey, this team runs way too much on first down, and they get themselves behind the chains, and as we saw, Joe Burrow took nine sacks on Saturday against the Tennessee Titans. You can't be getting in these, you know, second or third and long situations, so Cincinnati, I think, has got to throw the football more, but if that could get seven and a half more widely available, I'll be in on the Bengals in the AFC title game. And I do like that Bill Vinovich is officiating this game. His crew calls the least amount of penalties in the National Football League. They stay out of the way, as opposed to Carl Sheffers, who is on the NFC game. Mm. By the way, his crew, and I know these are mixed crews now, but refs set the tone and tenor, I think, for the crew, no matter who's on it. And Sheffers' crew doing the NFC game calls the most in the National Football League. 
Yeah, that was the underrated part about how great the divisional round was. And, and many of us believe it's the greatest weekend in football history, the Sunday with being the greatest day. But the assist was to the officiating, right? The fact that they kept all the flags in their pocket as opposed to the dreck from the previous week with the Bengals and the Raiders specifically, where it was just a flag fest or just a let's see if we can get this right and pause five minutes, you know, to get this right kind of thing. Clunkiest game ever. Uh, Rams and Niners, anything? Yeah, well, I have the Rams for a Super Bowl future from the summer at 15 to 1. I don't know if I'm going to double down and bet it again, except uh, really on the side, but I do think the Rams, I know all the trends with Shanahan and he and company have owned Sean McVay. I think Sean McVay gets him in this spot on Sunday. Any thought with that future? Because a lot of us do have Rams, NFC, or Super Bowl futures. Any thought to take the Niners plus the points at all? There is, or maybe even perhaps just take them on the money line. Uh, that might be the way I would look to hedge this out a little bit if I so choose to do so. But I do think that this is the Rams game on Sunday. All right. More with Wes Reynolds. Tory Pines. Golf next. Numbers game. Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is never too early to prepare for the big game, and we want to make sure VSIN is part of your plans. We'll be with you throughout the playoffs and then on championship weekend. That's the big game weekend. Let's be clear, not this weekend. Big game weekend. We'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on VSIN.com. 56 leading up to our sixth annual live big game betcast. It's the biggest game of the year, so make plans now to join the VEASAN betting experts before, during, and after the action on VEASAN.com. The uh, primetime action crew will be there with uh, Mike Pritchard during the big game itself. We'll start out the weekend on primetime action on Friday night. Stormy Bonatoni will uh, MC the whole dealio. She'll be running uh, She'll be running point on everything. Use a basketball term on that. Uh, it's Gil Alexander. Jeff Parlay is here as well. couple anniversaries today, one somber one awesome, the somber, of course, the two-year passing of Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bean Bryant. Hard to believe uh, it's been two years since uh, he and his daughter Gianna and seven others die in that uh, helicopter crash in Southern California. It's kind of one of those things where you where you always remember where you were, were at the moment you got texted about it, that your eyes laid on it. If you were looking at your browser at the moment, I got a text from Stanko, Adam Stanko, and like I had to look at it for like pregnant pause, five to 10 seconds. Like, am I reading this correctly? And you just sort of, your body got a whole chill into it. I was at brunch with the girlfriend and her daughter. I was like, uh, sorry guys, but you know, you just sort of check out. Where were you, Jeff? Right in that chair, right, right across from you. Oh, it was Danny was in Danny Burke was in your chair. I was right there. First of all, that's Dan Burke. Let's get that straight. <laughs> um, it's just an awful day. And, uh, one of the most beloved Universally beloved athletes, two-year anniversary. I don't know if we should use the word anniversary for that, but two years since his passing. And then the more happy one for some of us, 30 years ago today, Jeff. Do you know what happened 30 years ago today? Did the, what, the, uh, the Washington football team win a title? That's the greatest football team of all time, according to Aaron Schatz at Football Outsiders, courtesy of DVOA, the 1991-92 Washington football team, finishing their spectacular season, beating the Buffalo Bills, in the Super Bowl in Minneapolis, uh, in Minneapolis, 37 to 24, capping a 17 and two season, in which Mark Rippon was sacked seven times the entire regular season. He was the Super Bowl MVP. Ladies and gentlemen, Wes Reynolds is here. Wes, you remember that day, don't you? 
I absolutely uh, remember that day. So, uh, by the way, we do have another uh, a birthday, as a, a happier uh, moment, oh. I think, today. The uh, the great Anita Baker Gill, who I know <laughs> that you're a fan of, yes, I am. is 64 years old today, and she announced that she is returning right here to Las Vegas for a, another residency. She had retired in 2019, so we get some quiet storm R&B here later this year yes. in Las Vegas. Now we just need Sade to do the same. Oh, Sade did her. Are you kidding me? By the way, did you go see Anita Baker when she was here? She was spectacular. I did not, uh, so I'm excited to actually go and see her. I mean, so many classics from the 80s. Favorite favorite Anita Baker song? Oh, gosh. It would probably be giving you the best that I got. Wes Reynolds, everybody. There's nothing like him. All right. Tory Pines, Farmers Insurance. Bum, ba-dum, bum, 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 bum. John Rom, plus 650. Justin Thomas, who we were throwing this around on primetime action last night. Nobody was giving JT any love here at 14 to 1. Another person that everybody seems to sort of, at least on the primetime action set, seems to pass over on a weekly basis. Hideki Matsuyama at 18 to 1. He, along with Xander Shoffley at 18 to 1. Bryson leads the rest at 20 to 1 and beyond. What are you looking for profile wise? Who did you land on, Wes? Yeah, and uh, I guess when you got to look at the profile here, keep in mind that this event is played on two courses. You get one event on the shorter north course, the Tom Weisskopf design, that's about 7,250 yards. It plays much easier than this south course that we know got renovated by Reese Jones because, remember, it did host the U.S. Open, won by the aforementioned John Rahm. We were fortunate enough to be aboard with him last summer, but it's a bear of a course. It's like 7,700. 165 yards so you can't give up much driving distance here it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a complete bomber but you can't give up that much here so when i say it doesn't have to be a complete bomber i end up on a couple bombers this week and i end up on one guy that doesn't exactly have the greatest track record here and that was bryson dechambeau i took a 22 to 1 he has not contended in it for a victory since that bmw if you remember last august he lost that six-hole playoff to Patrick Cantlay. He's drifted up a bit in price. He's missed two cuts and two appearances here. But he's got some scores to settle, I think, with this course. Because if you remember last summer when John Rahm won that U.S. Open, who was the leader on the back nine as you started the final home stretch of the U.S. Open? It was Bryson DeChambeau. And then we know what happened next. It mm-hmm. absolutely fell apart on this guy but when you look at the course profile Gil and you look at the metrics you look at driving distance gain strokes gained off the tee strokes gained par 4 450 to 500 strokes gained par 5 550 to 600 that guy's at the top of the heap everywhere and this is a late add to his schedule he withdrew from the Sony said he had a sore wrist so he needed to add an event to kind of get back out there and play one early in the season and he added this this one. So Bryson DeChambeau, not a lot of guys talking about him, but it's one of those things, Gil, when you get like a DeChambeau or you get a Thomas or you get a Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, you could list a couple others. When they get above like that 20 to one range or right there in that range, 
that's when I think, you know, you kind of come in and buy the dip in the market. So I do have DeChambeau. I do have Xander Schauffele as well. He's, of course, a San Diego local. He missed four of the first five cuts here in his career in this event. But he was T2 here last year, T7 at the U.S. Open. I think he's kind of come to terms with Torrey Pines. And then one of the other short-odd guys, and he's a little bit maybe too popular this week, but he's popular for a reason, and that's Tony Finau. Yes. Number one, he plays a, he plays a natural fade off the tee, which is a perfect setup at Torrey Pines. He's a guy that can hit it on this lengthy course and really get it out there with the best of them. And then you look at his record here Tory fourth, sixth, 13th, sixth, second in his last five starts. Really good on the West Coast swing last year when he was fourth at the American Express. Runner up here. He's part of that five-way tie for second behind Patrick Reed and was also the runner up at Riviera. So uh, Tony is popular this week, but there's a very good reason why. Yeah, the track record speaks for itself. Um, it, Bryson, because of the length, Shoffley, I mean, we can all just close our eyes and see that leaderboard on Sunday and picture Shoffley in contention, no question about it. Let me just ask you about the short shot here, which is John Rahm. And every, you know, every which way you slice things up um, in models, it comes up John Rahm. And mm-hmm. we, we sort of, I, I don't know if we've gotten to the point where we don't talk enough about just how great he is relative to the field at this point, but I'm assuming... It's the price that you don't like. It's not a knock on on his profile here. No, I mean, if you said, okay, pick one guy, you know, regardless of the price to win this thing, he would certainly be a guy that you would maybe use in your one and done category. This was the side of his first PGA Tour win back in 2017. When I'm looking at, I'm looking at my little graphic I put together for recent history and the winners at this event. John Rahm in 2017 was 55 to one to win this bad boy. Gil, we're not going to see that price <laughs> maybe for about 15 oh, or 20 years man. on John Rahm. So, and then of course he did win the U.S. Open in very tough conditions last summer. So, yeah, when you look at strokes gained off the tee, driving distance gained, and you know I do a lot of the same modeling that the primetime action crew does, and we usually at least have an overlap of a couple of the same statistical categories or metrics. And John Rahm absolutely pops on all of them. But, you know, I elected to kind of take a stand at him when he's 13 to 2. If he beats me, he beats me. Any super duper long shot you took a shot on? A couple older guys that are actually former winners here. One being Justin Rose at 80 to 1. One here three years ago, plus has two other top 10s and three of his last four trips to Torrey Pines. Played pretty well at the Amex over the weekends. Closed with rounds of 67, 69. Kind of like what I've seen of Justin Rose early. I think experience matters. You very rarely get kind of a young guy like a greenhorn to win here. Now, maybe Will Zalatoris is going to call bollocks on that and put that theory to bed but I value experience here Justin Rose a former winner 80 to 1 and also Brant Snedeker at 100 to 1 other than maybe Tiger Woods nobody really has a better what you would call course for course form than Brant Snedeker he's a two-time winner here he's third here two years ago he's on the north side of 40 now so maybe the star is starting to wane because he hasn't won on tour since August 2018 but we've seen it with Stuart Sink over the last couple years who's 49 years old and has won an event in each of the last two seasons so older guys can still win on this tour in certain spots Sneds was 14th at the Amex last week but was fifth in the field for strokes gained off the tee which 
I think you need to be good at this week. And he led the field for driving accuracy. So distance matters, but so does accuracy. So I think you need kind of a combination of both to be able to do well. So Brant Snedeker, 100 to 1. Love it. Wes, excellent use of Bollocks as well in there. Well done. Need a Baker, CNC Music Factory, and a whole bunch of golf picks as well. Thank you, man. Appreciate it as always. You got it, pal. Thanks for having me. Wes Reynolds 1, at Wes Reynolds 1, the number one, is where you can find Wes on Twitter. Can we just have Wes on every day? It's just random references to all kinds of stuff from back in the day. Love that, man. Wes Reynolds, everybody. The glue that holds it all together here at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. We'll come back more college basketball. Let's get another Mizzou alum in here. Jim Root from Three Man Weave next. Numbers Game VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. BetMGM welcomes you with a special offer on the NBA. Simply place a $10 Moneyline wager on any game, and if either team hits a three-pointer, you'll win $200 in free bets, regardless of your bet's outcome. Just use bonus code VSIN200 when you make your first bet. Plus, you'll earn M-Life rewards that can be redeemed for rooms and dining at any MGM resort. BetMGM, proud to be an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and of this here program. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com. Use bonus code VSIN200 to win $200 in free bets. If a three-pointer is made in the game you wager on, eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. Gil Alexander. Surrounded by Mizzou alums, everybody. Jeff Parlay and this gentleman from Three Man Weave. It's Jim Root. How you doing, Jimmy? I'm good, you know. Uh, a one-point loss to the number one team in the country is about as high as Mizzou has ever made me feel recently. So this is good. It's a good day. Where would that have ranked? If Mizzou wins that game, where would that have ranked? I'll throw you in here, Jeff, too. In your lifetime great moments in Mizzou sports history rankings. It probably like top 15, but maybe not, not all the way up there. Like top I would 15, say, not higher, maybe a little higher, but it's a regular season game. They, they've done some, like some of the, the football teams wins to get to the sec title game were big. They had a bowl win against Oklahoma state. That was pretty close to the high. Uh, I'm curious what, what Jeff pretty, thinks on that one. Pretty close. To the high, yeah. Jeff, what do you got all that? You're, you're making me think because those football wins to win the East, the A&M game, especially uh, Henry Josie's big run at the end to put that game on ice is one wall. Always remember the, here's the problem though. Like 
for me, my real Mizzou fandom started now 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. So can't go that far. But basketball-wise, all those ones in, tw- in the 2011-2012 season, the Kansas win at home, the Baylor win at home, the Big 12 championship better, uh, the win over Florida in the first year of the SEC better, the win against Kentucky a few years ago would have been better. Also, too, the uh, the alumni didn't show up last night. So how can you really uh, – Really yeah. counted when when half the alumni didn't fill the building. Yeah, the correct that was, that was a bummer. The correct answer for number one, by the way, Colorado beating Mizzou in football with five downs to work with in 1990. Number one, how number dare one, you? Number one, greatest moment <laughs> in Mizzou history. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so I met, I talked to Wes Reynolds about this earlier, but obviously the marquee matchup last night, which again I'm just uh, I find it fascinating that it was played at 8 p.m. Pacific. They couldn't have figured out a way to make the whole country like enjoy college basketball. But Arizona UCLA. Uh, Arizona, upstart team this year. No one really saw it coming, at least to this extent. And UCLA, who people do remember, the casual college basketball fan does remember from last year's great run uh, in the big dance, they kind of roll them. Did you see the rolling coming last night? No, not at all. I, I, I was very surprised by that. Um, you got an offer performance from two separate Arizona starters. Creasa and Dalen Terry couldn't make a shot. Matherin was like five of 20. It was definitely more about UCLA like and the way they dominated that game. They, they controlled the tempo, did not let Arizona get as many open shots as, as they would have liked in transition. But they also had a completely mega fluky, terrible shooting performance. Like both things can be true. It, it was an impressive performance by UCLA, kind of reasserting themselves as a top 10 team, final four threat uh, in Arizona still has a ways to go. Now the, the wildcats haven't gotten to, to host a good team yet and have that kind of home performance against the top 10 team. Like a lot of other squads have to make a statement nationally, but they will next weekend. They're hosting UCLA on Thursday, USC next Saturday. That's the big one for the wildcats. If they can actually step up and, and respond at home against a team like this, that just control them. Then I think we can go back to, to being very comfortable with the wildcats as a legitimate threat as well. I don't know where uh, you and Kai and uh, and Matt from Three Man Weave came down on both UCLA heading into this season and Baylor. Obviously, the circumstances were different. UCLA had uh, carried over their best players into this season. Baylor did not. Baylor had much more turnover. But both have comported themselves, you know, quite well this college basketball season. Do you is there was there an element because when before the season no one was talking about Baylor, right? Not as much as you know, not as well as they've performed most of this year. Uh, UCLA, I mean, I guess everybody could have predicted that they would be up there again this year. Do you feel like something was missed in either case? I don't know how you guys had it with UCLA, but certainly with Baylor, do you feel that way? Probably a little bit with Baylor. Um, The fact that they brought in uh, two really good freshmen, Sohan and Brown have kind of changed their defense and, and made it even more switchable and more lengthy than it was last year. Like last year, they had a bunch of bulldogs like Davion Mitchell was probably the best tone setting point of attack defender in the country. Now they've got more like six, eight length versatile lineups that, uh, you know, when you pair with some of the shooting that the guards still have and bringing in a Kinjo that's kept them right up there. UCLA is an interesting one. They were kind of like the consensus number two team. People were just like, well, you got to put somebody right after Gonzaga and this team made the final four and brings everybody back. So we'll put them there. Uh, we were a little lower. We had them like seventh or eighth. And to be honest, I, I still kind of feel that way. Uh, they're really reliant on tough shot making. 
and they've, you know, their biggest wins last night and going all the way back to last season have, have been really reliant on missed shots by the opponent. The, the website shot quality paints such a different picture of, of last year's run. And last night it, it says was basically a coin flip game, not a 16 point blowout. So they do have tough shot makers, but it is, it's a tough strategy to rely on to win over and over and over again. At some point it could bite them. Last thing before your picks, I just asked Wes Reynolds about, uh, give me a team right now. It has to be like an outlandish long shot, but a long shot-ish team right now uh, that you think might have some legs and has a shot at winning it all. He came up with Michigan. Michigan, by the way, in action against Northwestern tonight, eight-point favorites. Um, first of all, do you do you sort of see that thinking, and who would you go with? Same question. Yeah, I definitely see Michigan. Uh, they they kind of started to figure themselves out. Last two have been really really good, and just they, they you know the the early record I think threw a lot of people off the scent. Uh, they could definitely climb back up. Winning at Indiana by fifteen to twenty was super impressive. Uh, the one I would have said was Oregon before last night, but they kind of laid an egg, lost at home to Colorado, mm-hmm. kind of bounced there, or were seemingly on the rise, and, and maybe not so much anymore. I'll I'll say Texas Tech. The defense is so legitimate with Mark Adams taking over and, and continuing everything that he did under beard. But the offense has been a little bit spunkier than I expected, like going into Allen Fieldhouse and probably should have won that game at the fog in regular in uh, the first overtime. The offense does go through droughts and that's a concern, but it's probably good enough to make a, a nice run through March. And if they start hitting more shots, especially O'Banner, the, the oral Roberts transfer that everyone, everyone remembers from the tournament, I think they could, could probably climb up into that picture. Michigan and Oregon, by the way, the teams we mentioned, both 80 to 1 to win it all at BetMGM. Texas Tech, 30 to 1 at BetMGM. It's not that long of a shot. Yeah, that's all right. (laughs) We'll accept the answer. Uh, By the way, the uh, the later the NFL season goes, right? Like the more the Super Bowl gets pushed back, February 13th this year, the closer it gets to the beginning of conference tournaments, like the, uh, the, the window of, of college basketball regular season for the casual fan who makes the segue then getting narrow and narrower. What do you got tonight, Jim? And we'll effort some rotation numbers as well. Yeah. Uh, I'll start with a team. We just discussed Michigan hmm. 678 on the board, uh, taking on Northwestern at home. I kind of think the rise continues for, for the Wolverines. Um, it's, they, they've started to figure some things out. They're playing through Dickinson more. The, the transfer point guard, Devonte Jones has been more assertive and they've really needed that. They need somebody to, to create more off the bounce and Caleb Houston, the five-star freshman hit some shots in Indiana. If his confidence really starts building, they're playing him more on the wing rather than kind of a small ball power forward. If he starts to hit shots, this offense opens up. You can play through Dickinson more inside. I think Michigan's a, a nice bet tonight against the Northwestern team that has had its share of struggles in the Big Ten. As Jim said, 678, your rotation. Where do you rank Juwan Howard? Elite coach, tier below elite? Where do you rank him? Uh, had him elite coming into the year, maybe uh, just below elite now. Like, the staff has been so good that it's hard to differentiate whether it's a lot of Martelli. I, I think he's a terrific motivator and a terrific uh, connector with with players and recruiter. Um, we'll, we'll see, I guess, with the X and O. Still early in his tenure, you know, only year three. All right, what's number two? Number two, let's see. I'll go to the whack Abilene Christian on the road. This is seven one seven on the rotation. Uh, they're taking on UT Rio Grande Valley. Uh, the Vaqueros, the host Vaqueros here have had some personnel limitations of late. I think coming out of a, a COVID pause, a little bit short on players last game. I think they had seven or eight scholarship guys and Abilene's a bad team to have that against. They are all about pressure. Uh, they play a ton of guards that can just get in your face. 
I think they wear down Rio Grande Valley on the road here and eventually extend, maybe not like an immediate blowout, but eventually extend late in the second half and then win by 12 or, or so. All right. One more as we get out of here. Do you have one more? Yeah, of course. Always one more Always. for you, Gil. Thank you, Jim. Yep. I'll go with the total. South Carolina and Vanderbilt, the over. So this is 703-704 on the rotation. I was surprised where this number opened. It was really low. South Carolina has been a pretty good over team. They play fairly fast, and their defense has been poor this season. So I think that one that one goes over that total. All right. Jim Root from 3-Man Weave at 3MW underscore CBB. Miss you in studio, man. Maybe next time. Yeah, next time. Next time. Next time when Missouri wins by point and loses by point. Jim Root, everybody, on the show. Part of the three-man weave group with Kai McKeon and Matt Cox, of course. We'll come back under a cloud of smoke in Southern Cali. The host of the Wide World of Weingarten podcast, Jason Weingarten, next. Numbers game, Visa, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.